0: Hi Steve, how are you doing? Good Jamie, how are you? I'm pretty good, yeah. Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all. It's a nice sunny day where I am. Happy St.
1: Patrick's Day. Yes, happy St. Patrick's Day. It's also sunny as well. Um, I didn't know whether we were going to admit it was St. Patrick's Day, so it, otherwise it puts a date on our actual recording. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: that's very true. And then when we don't put it out for like three months, everyone's
1: like, well, what's going on with them lot? So this is now an annual recording. Every single 17th of March we throw it out, okay, simple. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and will you, will you be having a, a couple of pints of the black stuff later on
1: yeah we're heading down to see the local um parade in an hour or so and uh when i say local parade i live in uh, outside the city of dublin so it essentially it's four or five tractors they drive past and we all bail into the pub for a quick pint <laughs> awesome
0: that well, sounds good i mean obviously yeah we don't have anything like that over here but i think i mean it's pretty big in america and stuff isn't it as well and uh yeah, any of our American listeners, they might be, uh they might be doing a, a version of.
1: Yeah, but will, uh, which I do love the idea that when American tourists come over, they come over and they're horrified at the scale of our parade. Uh, we've done better in Dublin in years. We've, we've bumped it up, but if you go to something like Chicago and New York, which I've had the pleasure of being in a couple of St Patrick's days, uh it just it just pales in the significance our own little parade. So, really? America. Well, come and, and spend your tourist money here and meet up with us. We'd love to have you. And um, just downgrade your expectations on the parade action.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. To be fair, Americans
1: do everything bigger, don't they? So, and, you know. But I also love Saint Patrick's Day because for me, it's always the beginning of um, uh, the build season or kind of uh, the the end of the long kind of winter training miles in the base season, and start looking forward to races coming up. Um, what you got on the calendar for your race season, uh, Jamie? So nothing imminent. Um, I've got a little bit
0: of a back problem at the moment, um, like a rear. Um, so every now and again it flares up. It'll train, but it's just, uh, yeah, running's kind of the the most the most challenging thing, and and I, I actually probably overdid it a little bit last week, so that's uh, probably half the trouble, but that's, you know, we live and learn. Um, so, yeah, my first one, I've got a sprint um, kind of beginning of June time, which is just a local uh, local race, boundary breeze triathlon, if anyone's aware of that. Um, and then I'm going to do Chester, so I live in Chester, um, in the northwest of England, so there's a, there's a, a pretty big event here, uh, so they do like an Olympic and a uh, half, so I'm going to do the Olympic, and then I'm going to do vichy in france um in august which is something that well i actually entered it about three years ago and then i had to withdraw then um due to injury and then of course there's been all sorts of i think it happened last year actually but um i think the year before it was cancelled but yeah so yeah keen to kind of get back back into it because i've had a sort of couple of years out i suppose really um what with one thing and another covid and all that business how about you what have you what have you got
1: booked in? Yeah, no, I have a very busy season. Um, I've got Paris Marathon in a couple of weeks. I'll talk to you a little bit about that at the end. I've, then I have 70.3 Mallorca in uh, May. And then I have 70.3 Luxembourg in July. I've got 70.4, a full Ironman in Cork in Yall, um in August. And then I'm going to fulfill a life's ambition and actually race an Ironman race north america this year in florida in november awesome so back to your they do things bigger or better 100% agreed. i've done a couple of marathons over there but i, the, I want to really get the arm experience over there so packed season but had put a lot of time in on the the turbo and a lot of, a lot of base miles in the last couple months so I'm, I'm feeling confident going into build anyhow so fingers crossed I've Got as you said haven't done an awful lot of racing in the last couple of years, covered oh so it's going to be a an eye opener again.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's and I mean, there's a lot of travel there as well, which is um, which is great, isn't it? It's not just about the racing.
1: I mean, you sort of go into different places, and it's a bit of an adventure. Oh, and also, by the way, <laughs> what a great topic for a podcast! I'm writing it down. Um, <laughs> traveling to a race, logistics, kind of food and stuff like that, and do's and don'ts. That is an absolute that's a gem of it and I, I'm writing it down as part of our podcast management team <laughs> um, so how's how's
0: prep coming along for um for Paris
1: Paris has been good um in terms of the I've got a lot of I've got a lot of my long long runs done in, and they're very very hard and on the, on, the, on the body but but it, I've ticked off all the sessions and Unlike yourself, and thankfully, I, I've managed to keep injury free. Like I have had a back problem before, but I just again have managed to avoid that. So it's 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 gone well. Um, looking uh, won't do a, won't do a PB time, but I'm j- again just the fact to get over and do another getting the marathon under my belt would be great. Um, that's what looking forward to.
0: Good stuff. I mean, I guess we should actually say what this podcast actually about. <laughs> we're going to discuss kind of getting ready for. Uh race season um hence our discussion about races I suppose and um all of the things that that entails obviously both nutritionally and from a from a training perspective. Yeah
1: and sorry that my bad I got excited I when, when people start talking about races I start running away at myself. Yes <laughs> it's how to prepare for, for a race season. and um, as I said we've all spent a lot of time doing our base training, getting our fitness up, getting in decent shape and now what do you do differently when you enter into what i call the build phase of when you're starting to get race prep yeah
0: yeah all right um well i mean maybe paris is a good is a good kind of starting point actually you know um obviously that's not your main race of the year but it's it's you know it's building up to that um and so so from a training perspective like have you began to
1: taper or when are you going to begin to taper um yeah actually and that's a good point as well we'll talk about it a little that yeah this is a b race for me as in my a races will be the ironman cork and ironman florida so the way i will approach this is slightly different Um. i haven't started to taper yet i have one long run left. so i've got three weeks out so that means for me i will have one big long run which has dominated the weekends and then i'll take a two-week taper and taper for kind of new podcast listeners is essentially when you kind of reduce your training load and intensity kind of depending on the distance of the race either a week or two weeks out to allow your body to kind of rebuild be full of energy and and there's because there's no point in turning up to race trained to an inch your life the day before because your body's shot you will have baked a lot of good mileage and good aerobic work and speed work in um, and then you want to be ready to go like a coil spring come race day
0: yeah yeah absolutely and and uh, so are you are you so you what what's your kind of longest run that you're
1: going to do on the build-up um my longest run will be 20 miles and that's this weekend but with again and you back to your previous question how do i change the training as i'm getting closer to race date? um for me i have um In the base period for a marathon, it's just long, slow miles. It's just getting the miles in. But in the kind of, as I said, the build or kind of more race focus, I put in, I change some of those long runs into long runs with race pace. So, for example, last weekend I ran 18 miles and I ran eight of those miles at my target race pace, which I want to be able to hold on the day in Paris. Um. And then the last one I'll do is just it's a twenty miles just long slow just again r- reminding the body how to cover that distance and actually and to fuel during that uh, that distance which again um is something I I I, <laughs> I should be better at at this stage but I do kind of get messed up on it yeah you you've run Paris before how how did uh, any tips for me nutritionally as I go along
0: well I mean to be honest with you my, I did Paris in two thousand and four my first marathon um. And it was all a little bit kind of thrown together at the last minute. I wasn't doing a lot of running at the time. Um, so don't listen to this advice because it was an absolute, yeah, balls up. But basically, um, I ended up doing it. I probably started training about six weeks out. Um, I remember my first, I was quite fit at the time, uh, but not from running. I was doing a lot of rowing. And um, so I was training a couple of times a day. I was in good shape, but obviously didn't have the running legs. So I remember the first run I did, I went out and did a 10 miler uh like pretty easy i was like that's easier you know i ate the next day but it was fine doing it and then i went and did a, a 16 miler like a nice and steady um and that was fine did a couple of short ones like five miles like fast um and basically i, I was way overconfident i was young i was like how old i've been like 24 or something um way overconfident it was different times um I didn't do any research, didn't have a clue what I was going to do. But went there. My the, the nutrition strategy is actually quite interesting. At the time, for some reason or another, I used to think that um, Jaffa Cakes, that, that was one of my favourites, and like a, a chocolate Swiss roll. So on the morning of the race, <laughs> um, I, learned, I got up at like 4 o'clock, or whatever it was, about 4, and uh, staying in a youth hostel and uh, ate this like massive chocolate Swiss roll packet of jaffa cakes down some Lucas aid i was like right let's let's get cracking so <laughs> got the uh i think we had to go the bus or the train or whatever to the start and um and i mean basically i mean there was it was before if, if, if it wasn't pre-garmin i certainly didn't have one and not many people did so your pace was you know just based off how you felt and you could obviously take time in uh, times as you're going through markers and stuff they had some they had some pace runners and i just wanted to go under four hours so i remember i set off and the, the four hour marker was um no, four hour pace runners were held holding a green flag so i i don't know 400 yards behind them and i thought all i need to do is catch them up and i'll i'll be happy and uh, i went through half went through about halfway in about 140 so like way too fast um And then I remember you've not run it, have you, Steve? Uh,
1: No, I have run. I have a a number of years ago, but I'm trying to remember. It was around the same time where I saw a slightly bloated Englishman full of jaffa cakes and as he was rolling. But I think it was a little after.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you did, that would have been me. But yes, I I remember. Like I I think it was about. It's it's absolute classic. This. So it was about 20 miles in, something around then, and uh, I think you run under the River Seine. And so I was running under the river saying, I, I don't know if this is like what always happens, but I was running under the Seine. you run down a little bit of a decline and the French started, it was like this chant or like song that they were singing as, as they went under the river. And um, I just like felt this like wave of emotion. Um, and I was like, oh Jesus, what, what is happening, happening to me here? Um, and then you come out the other, other side, I was like nearly in tears. I was obviously in pain, discomfort, Came out the other side, and you've obviously got to run up the hill to get out out from under the river. And uh, anyway, that was the end of that. Stopped, and um, then it was a then it was a horrendous struggle um, to get back. I think there was a few mistakes made at the feeding stations. There was no feed. There was nothing there. Um, No gels, No anything. It was just water, and I desperately needed some uh, something to eat. I didn't have it so struggled through and I finished it in four hours and seven minutes um so it wasn't actually that too far out considering how badly I got it wrong and that was obviously just because I ran the first half so quick and then just kind of dragged myself around so yeah it was a, a new I think nutritionally it was a massive fail but also kind of a good example of a overconfident young man who was actually quite fit but had no experience and just completely messed it up so yeah yeah don't do that
1: okay (laughs) i'll do i i wonder whether or not you're still now um you're having aversion to jaffa cakes did it put you off jaffa cakes oh no
0: no i don't think i'll ever be put off jaffa cakes there
1: (laughs) they're a quality uh a quality
0: biscuit oh absolutely or is it a cake you know exactly that yeah who knows
1: um yeah, no, I, the, for myself as and, and obviously uh, the training's gone much more differently. As I said, for me, uh, there's been a very strong progression. You start off low, slow mileage in the base period um, and you'll have some speed work during the week, but a tempo run be hill repeats, um, just to make sure that you're not only training yourself to run in one gear. And as I said, when well, I've mentioned in the build phase, which for me has been two lo- months long, I have more kind of, uh, I'll actually throw in some track sessions. I'll throw in some VO2 sessions where you run at 5K pace and kind of recover in between and then go again. And then the long runs, I sprinkle in um, what you call it, uh, race pace stuff, Um, just to make sure. I, Because what you missed out there is you didn't know what pace you needed to run to get under four hours. So you need to expose your body to that and go, actually, this is what it feels like. I need to be able to hold this for literally 359.59 and it's okay it's not comfortable but it's not massively uncomfortable so that's what i kind of focus on and and for me also again now moving away from your your bad nutrition advice and now the fact i'm very delighted that you're you're much more into good nutrition advice these days i will have i will have trained with energy gels um in my kind of long runs and for me i use on a distance basis so every 6k or 7k depending on the distance of the run i know to take this this um x amount this gel and therefore i know how many gels i need to carry for the day and when is when's the right uh, um, point in the race to take them to make sure i don't get that dreaded bunk or uh, um, and just make sure you're comfortable for the day yeah and
0: i think i mean i think that is a really valid point isn't it because essentially what you're doing is you're practicing you're practicing your race pace, which clearly, as you say, was a mistake of mine, and an important thing. So you're familiar with how that feels, but you're also practicing your race day strategy from a fueling perspective. Um, so you're familiar with the with the fuel that you're taking on board. Um, you know, you know, there's plenty of stories of people going to races and they have a, you know, they rely on whatever they're being given, and um, it ends up causing some sort of havoc in the stomach um, and all that prep which, let's be honest, you know, it can be a year to get ready for your A race, you know, maybe even a series of years, and then it's all ruined at the last minute because you you take some unfamiliar stuff in which doesn't suit you, basically.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And again, I think back to kind of how to prepare for the race season, yeah. Um there's the the b as i was talking about this this means a b race and what i may do is i might pace it in the same way i want to be able to hold the run speed for my ironman race uh in either august or november my a races so b races are a great way of actually trying out things and look if it goes tits up um watch my language the if if i make mistakes in paris and i don't get a time i'm not overly worried but if i get a good learning that i applied from my a race that's a great way to approach your race season and you know there's a bunch of us going over from our running club i'm sorry trapping club that uh it's it's gonna be a fun day it's no pressure and you learn so that's one of the key things i'd advise from in your race season uh, and your build up to it build in some b races like your like your sprint race like your olympic race um and jane that you'll be you'll be ready, and you'll also practice a lot of race specific stuff, transition, open water, for VC. So that's the way to best prepare by doing. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And I think like
0: you know, occasionally I'll be working with someone, and <laughs> they'll ring me up and say, "Right, I'm getting ready to do I don't know, I you know, Ironman UK or whatever." And I'll be like, "Right, okay," and we have a chat, and you figure out where they're up to, and it turns out that they've literally never done a race. Um, and like, obviously, that's not for me to say that they should, but they should. <laughs> you know, um, I think anybody. And so, if you are somebody who's like never raced and you want to jump in at the deep end, especially if you're going to do full distance, then it, it, it isn't wise, in my view. The only perhaps caveat to that is if you're someone who's very experienced. You know, I don't know, maybe as a runner or a cyclist or a swimmer, and you and you're very confident. At, at, in all of those disciplines, then maybe you can get away with it. But if you're somebody who's new to the scene, it definitely makes sense to do some, I think, smaller races. It's a bit like a boxer. You know, if you're Tyson Fury, whoever you are, you don't go and... When he first started boxing, his first fight wasn't against Mike Tyson. You know, he he went out and he learned his trade. He fought a few lesser opponents. Um, Maybe he got beat a couple of times, but, um, you know, he learned... And I think that's the that's the big thing: not being in a rush to get to the top. Take your time. Yeah, a hundred percent. And
1: also, it's like it's any sort of a race is going to be overwhelming, emotional wise, kind of nerves wise, um, and even as you sprinkle in something as big as Man and as a, like um, the the setup, the numbers, the the, the logistics. Can be overwhelmed. So why don't uh, I, I? 100% agree to that. You you start off with your local sprint try where there may be a hundred people in it, but you get used to a just nervous on on a, on a, a lower level. Um, going into a mass swim start in a with a hundred people is very different to going in with two thousand. Experience that, and build up as you said. Build up your confidence. Build up your experience. Kind of make your silly mistakes and transition where you're that guy running around looking for your bike and uh, you're running past it a couple of times and 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 you'll have a laugh about that with your with your tri-mates and your training buddies and but you don't want to have that um if you had gone in with an ironman target of 14 hours and you end up like 1404 and you lost 20 minutes in transition because you hadn't ever done it before there's ways of actually preparing yourself better and it is it's b race b race experience is massive Yeah.
0: And and I think also, it's like me, you know, I've not done anything for a while. So, uh, yeah, and whilst I have done stuff in the past, I I want to kind of remember how it feels and
1: refresh my memory and, you know, sharpen your tools almost, you know. Yeah, no, agreed. And that's why I, like last year, I did Ironman Mallorca. I wasn't, I, I went to do it and I didn't went without any time goals and it was, it was just a case of, and especially after COVID, right? I'm sorry, I have to bring up the word, but um, it, I remember at one point going, the bike wasn't going as well as I wanted the second half. And I went, you know what? You're out racing. You haven't been able to, this is something that you have not been able to do, but wanted to do for the last two years. Just enjoy it. And, and again, and it was, and then it was sort of, How am i am not going to run a marathon off this? And I said, well, you've done it before. And I went, so, and like, this is just a training race for you. It's a, you're actually getting to race in two thousand and twenty one, not an awful lot of people will. And I went, Yeah, cool. let's just let's take the stress out of this and just enjoy it. And but you do forget, you forget the you forget the nervousness of standing on the start line and they start playing the the, the dun 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 music and it's like, Oh my god, why are my butterflies going bananas? I know, and,
0: and to be fair, you're right.
1: I mean, because you know, controlling that nervous energy,
0: it, it's it's I mean it's a good sign, isn't it? It's, you know, I always like to sort of put a spin on it that it's kind of shows you're ready and you're up for it and all that sort of stuff, but it can be overwhelming. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's a bit like me running under the river Seine and like crying, essentially. You know, I'm not, a, 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 <laughs> I'm not trying to bake out. I'm some sort of like macho man, but I wouldn't say I'm an overly emotional person. But in that situation, it overwhelmed me. Um, and, and that essentially led to me probably, it, it was poor prep, as we know, but like stopping. Um, so learning to control that emotion is,
1: is important. And again, it is, there's a whole new thing. And by the way, that's another topic, Um, kind of race day nerves and kind of like, because uh, there's a whole school of thought about, you know, butterflies are fine to have in your stomach. The key is about getting them all flying in the right direction, yeah. uh, which, I, which I love that uh, analogy. Um, but yeah, so again, race day experience key, Um, especially if you've got a big goal. And it, it doesn't have to be, as you said, Jamie, it doesn't have to be, you have to do a half Ironman early in the season to get experience of it and then do your a race, which will be at the end of the season. It's the smaller races and it's the mechanics of it. It's getting used in the open water. It's getting used with the wetsuit and it's getting used, um, transition, the legs running off a bike. How do you react to a load of guys? Um, which also, by the way, you also need to train for these in the build phase. Um, so it's not only a case of you've practiced these things in your B races, there's in your build phase, you will do race specific training.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that. And, and again, then from a nutritional perspective, it's those kind of race specific, well, they don't even necessarily, necessarily have to be race specific, but the kind of simulations, like some brick sessions, if you like, for me, from a nutritional point of view are a great opportunity especially the longer ones to kind of practice some fueling strategies because you know people often say to me what should you eat on the bike or whatever and, and I could it's different for everybody I was chatting to someone this morning actually and and like so I personally quite like eating things like nuts um but I could I can eat nuts on the bike but I might find it a little bit more difficult to eat them on the on the run for example for obvious reasons um so what you've got to do is find a food substance or a fuel which you can consume comfortably, like so it actually works from a sort of fueling perspective, but actually that you can also like eat or not. If you can't eat, then you need you know you need to be drinking stuff, and you know you know people often say to me, "Oh, you don't like gels." Well, I, I think there's an over reliance on gels, but gels definitely have the place, and for some people, gels are the only thing they can have in those situations so if you're that sort
1: of person you need to know that before you get there yeah no absolutely and i think that as i said uh, for the long bikes and the long runs there is the actual as you said the art of eating as in like there's no point in sort of going look i know that this is the food that works for me i mean i love it and all the rest and it's going to work but in the end of the day i don't know i can't be on the on my tt bike there's no room to store it there's no room to um and I can't even, if I start on the day, suddenly I'd have to unwrap stuff and start eating it. It, it. You need to kind of go through the mechanics of certain foodstuffs. Well, it may be a preferred option, may not work well logistically on you, on the bike. And I think, as I said, you, you learn that by actually just trial and error. Is it, is it mainly for the, so what do you suggest then for long runs? I'm I'm, I'm a little bit biased now. And I, I do use gels and I find gels work for me. But for long runs, um, nutrition-wise, what you, what's your go-to food substance and how do you store it and how do you eat it? So, yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, like
0: my view, and, and this is different for different people. So for me personally, I can get away with doing a relatively long run without anything. Um, and that's because I'll kind of – it's how my day structured. So, you know, I would kind of fuel appropriately leading into it. I don't know exactly how much to have um like calories wise um i'd give it enough time so i'd be confident that my fueling strategy was right before i went in so to be honest a lot of the time i wouldn't have anything um but then for dip for other people it's completely different so i I could run you know a good couple of hours with with absolutely nothing no no trouble um especially at low intensity but there's other things to consider so as i say i think nuts are a good source of fuel but not so easy to consume on the run. Uh, I was chatting to a guy yesterday and we were discussing, you know, the benefit of consuming fat during sort of longer, low intensity sessions. Um, so essentially we came to the conclusion that he would have, so he's going to make like um, almost like little peanut butter sandwiches, if you like, wrap them in cling films, st- stick them in his shorts. It um, doesn't sound particularly appetizing, no. but that, that's what he's going to do. Uh, he hasn't tried it yet. He's going to give it a go. Um, but, you know, from a nutritional point of view, that's actually really quite good because you're getting, you know, decent amount of carbohydrate from a bit of bread um, and then you're getting some good quality fat from some peanut butter. But we were also discussing, you know, sticking some jam on there as well. Um, so, you know, essentially you get, it's a good fuel source. He wants to eat something gels don't suit him. So you're essentially making a, a similar product as a gel, but with some added fat. Um, and then it's just carrying it and yeah wrap it in clean film stick it down your shorts take it with you it might get a bit warm but you know it, some people can't stomach that some people can not
1: yeah and i think also does the then short sense particularly un- unattractive um but <laughs> i i've seen a greater prevalence of people using kind of um those light little camel packs yeah to store food and water as they go along um now initially there was a lot of Man and longer distance uh, snobbery came. I said, "What are you doing?" But there's a lot of benefit to it. As in, if you've got if, if that's the only the food you have, and it's and it's chunky and it worked, uh, you need some to store it. These camel packs are actually quite comfortable. So I, I now I've never tr- raced with one, but I've seen a lot of people doing it and a lot of them swear by it. So that's also an option of not stuffing your lunch down your your shorts. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean it, it, it's. I mean, obviously, as the distance goes up, you know, um, and 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 maybe not even the distance, maybe the time, you know. So somebody racing doing an Ironman in nine hours, and compare that to somebody doing it in fifteen hours. Then, you know, nutritionally, there's a completely and utterly different set of demands just to, to, by the sheer time out there on your feet, and hence the the, the need for more fuel. So it's and and. <laughs> I think the trouble is that perhaps in the past, people have been like, right, how many carbs an hour do I need? And, you know, come up with a random number Um, and then smash the gels in early on because they're worried about, you know, running out of energy bonking. Um, And then they're all right. They get off the bike um, and then they start running. They've already had, I don't know, six gels (laughs) or something crazy. And then they start running and then all sorts of problems start happening um, in, in the stomach and, often people can't finish races because of that. Um, so it's being slightly more moderate, I think, in your approach. But, but going back to my perhaps original point is actually if you're, if you're going into that race or that hard training session under in any way, then you're on the back foot before you've even started. Um, so you need to be on the front foot. And, and conversely, that doesn't mean going out the night before and eating as much pasta as you possibly can because you know that's going to leave you feeling bloated and heavy so it's having a smart strategy in place to kind of get you to race day in good shape
1: from a few yeah. perspective just on that as i said where, where do you lie in the carbo loading uh spectrum I, I mean when i first got into this and i'm a marathon runner by trade so but there was this this whole idea that you had to stuff at least three times your body weight to pass it into you the night before and again i agree i i i remember my first marathons I was sort of gone I don't actually feel comfortable and it was only after when you started to kind of question hang on I don't I didn't feel comfortable my stomach was bloated did I feel I had any more energy as a result of just blindly following the advice I didn't so but where do where do you think Carb what loading yes no Jamie what's the I think uh, yes but not like that um so
0: you know, I'm exactly the same as you said. You know, my early experience of it with that, just smashing in the pasta. Um, and but my, my approach now is probably like everything I do, slightly more moderate. So it depends on the size or the length of your event. But if you're doing an Ironman, for example, I, I would begin a, a carb load almost like a week a week out to sort of match your taper. So one thing perhaps sometimes people don't consider is that the taper itself is almost a carb load in that assuming your diet stays the same and your training volume goes down then you're gonna have more glycogen in the body and that's essentially what we're looking well that's what we mean when we say a carb load you've got fuel available in the muscles and ready to go um so if you're tapering you're gonna have that anyway so then it's a matter of slightly increasing your carbohydrate intake um as you build up to race day so so that might be as little as like a 10% increase. So for example, if that means you're eating normally 200 grams of carbs, you go up to 220, it's nothing. Um, but that's an extra, what's that? Uh, 80 calories or whatever. And combined with the taper, that would be more than that. And then slowly, but surely you start to increase the calories or the carbs a little bit more. Um, so what that means is you don't go in with that kind of bloated feel Um because the other thing is, especially I think people, especially if they've lost some weight, that you can you can put on a couple of kilos in a in a day by yeah. you, you know eating that amount of food. So it's kind of a bit stupid. So whereas if you do it in a more steady way, you might still put on a bit of weight, but you won't put on as much, uh, which is obviously going to help. Um, but I think that, I think as well from a confidence point of view, you know, when you're stood there and you're in your wetsuit and you're ready to go, or you're in your suit or whatever, you want to feel like a well, I do. I want to feel like an athlete. I want to feel strong and fit and not bloated and slow. You know, so it's. I suppose what it all comes down to is it always is from a nutritional perspective is knowing your numbers. So if you know how many calories and carbs and proteins and fats you normally have, then you, it's much more easy to incrementally increase at the appropriate rate so that you go in well fueled. If you're doing it blind. Um, but like you said before, with me doing the marathon, I didn't practice any race pace stuff. Um, I didn't know what my race pace was, so it, it found me out. And it's the same with the diet; you've got to know what your numbers are, and then you've got a better chance of nailing it.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it definitely a learning. It took a while to embed. and uh the taper stuff is very interesting. I hadn't even thought about that as in yeah because as I said at the start, your taper is when you, you're dropping down your volume, so. If you eat normally, you've got excess calorie, uh, calories there already. Um, yeah, but there is this massive fear that, like, as, as people, I get athletes going all the time. I'm putting on weight and all that. You're not. You're just feeling Um, I'm losing fitness because I'm tapering. You're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your 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 daily weight can fluctuate uh, a little bit, but that can be due to water tension. You're not suddenly becoming an out an unfit slob because you're just following the decent taper. You're actually it's the opposite, as you said. It's feeling you're getting energetic, you your, your body's recharging. Um I just realized okay we 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 better there's other stuff we kind of we talked about the importance of B races in the schedule to practice things, have a bit of fun. We've talked about nutrition and how we should practice that on the long bikes and the long runs. Other stuff um in getting ready for race season um I'll we'll talk a bit about swimming wise um for your upcoming sprint for in the next, I know it's a bit down the track, but what, what will you do differently to prepare yourself for the, your sprint in the next few months, Jamie, from your current training? What? So so I haven't actually done much swimming. Um, swimming is probably my strongest
0: sort of discipline. So I'm technically, you know, reasonably good at swimming. Um, so I, I slash my swimming volume in preference for other stuff. I tend to do a little bit more strength work, et cetera. Um, so I do, I go, I've been swimming like once a week. Uh, and when I go, I, I don't do any kind of particularly hard work. I just do more drills uh, just to kind of keep me in tune with the feel of the water and, and what have you. But the, the main thing will be that I will do more swimming. And, um, and whilst I'm a decent swimmer, like everybody, when you get in the open water, um it, it you know, it can unsettle you a little bit. So for me, that'll be one of the big changes as the weather is getting warmer here, getting outside and swimming outside. And when I do swim outside, I tend not to do drills. It's more of a kind of familiarising myself, getting comfortable back in the water, you know, swimming in a wetsuit as opposed to in the pool. Um And I think that's the big thing, isn't it, with swimming, that you can – you can train all these miles in the pool, and then you get in the lake or the river or whatever, and or the sea, and you're like, Jesus, <laughs> this is yeah. uh, this is completely different, and it blows your mind.
1: Yeah, no, completely. No, I agree. Um, like for me, now, yes, I, as I said, we've always had this swim envy. As an I'm a week we, swimming is my weakest, always has been. So I do have to, and I have to do be in the pool three times a week. If I don't, I lose the feel for the water. Um, but yeah, what and I agree one of the specific things I would say when you're in your race pace, sorry, you're getting into build, definitely get into the water and um, with your wetsuit. Some people benefit very heavily from the wetsuit. Other people don't. You need to figure out whether you're that person or not. Um, and in terms of pool based stuff, what I recommend is I, it's the one discipline that for weaker to moderate swimmers, I actually advocate that you increase your speed of the sessions you kind of get okay like you do more kind of 50s and 100s if you're looking for olympic distance races and um, and at the same time you increase your volume and um, it's it, it's kind of at that stage you want to kind of sh- back to your one of your analogies jamie that to sharpen the tool a little bit um, so for again but stronger swim yourself can get away with it but correctly as you also said Even if you're a strong swimmer, you got to get into the wetsuit. You got to get into cold water. You got to see what it's like putting your hand in the water and it disappears and it freaks you out if the water the visibility is not good. So yes, open water stuff. Weaker, moderate swimmers increase the intensity of the sessions and the volume at the same time, which is slightly different for the bike and the run. And I think as well, getting used to swimming around other people, mm. you know,
0: because obviously, you know, that can be an anxiety provoking thing um and you know i don't like it particularly even though i sort of i'm relatively comfortable in the water swimming around people is i would rather be on the edge or the front you know out of the way so i can just kind of relax and and get into my rhythm um because it's very easy to have that broken up by the yeah the presence of splashing and other people basically
1: yeah no absolutely there's that panicky moment someone to, if you swam for the last four or five months in the pool in a lane system where no one goes near you and then somebody touches your arm or t- grabs your leg there's nothing like the adrenaline shot off that like oh my god something's going to eat me it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, no agreed and again I, and that's another one I said back to the other topic on how to handle pre-racing anxiety and that, the swim is one the biggest fear and I, th- I think also also the, the biggest obstacle for people getting into triathlon i hear if i could only swim um, i'm a great cyclist great runner but like la 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 but again you just the strategies to get over the anxiety and one of which as we're kind of harping on a little bit today that you got to practice you got to get into the water get in with a couple of buddies swim together and have a, a goof around let someone swim over you let so, someone grab your leg realize that you're not going to sink to the bottom of the mariah's trench and never be seen again absolutely absolutely and um, bike wise what are you going to do are you, are you dusting off the tt or um, um what's going to happen differently in your bike training for these sprints and the olympic
0: yeah i mean to be honest
1: so i i, I would
0: do most of my i put something on the inset balance the other day I, I do most of my stuff indoors um and i've missed being outside um you know there's like, i think in our last podcast we were discussing kind of being indoors and the benefits of and whatnot and living over here in in the UK or Ireland, you know, we don't have the best weather. So I've been mainly indoors. And I think the big difference will be kind of venturing back outside. Um, I'm not overly confident, to be honest, like riding on the roads. Um, and that's probably just, yeah, I think I said last time, a few few bad experiences. Um, but you've got, you know, essentially it, that's, that's what we do. We don't race indoors. So if you're going to do it, you've got to get over it and you've got to get used to it and pick your times um so i'll be getting i'll be getting back outside um and and you, you know I, I haven't really done that yet because i'm a bit nervous you know with truth be told um so yeah that's my the big the big thing that i will that i will do differently building up to it
1: i look forward to the pictures of J- instagram pictures of jamie and light with a funny hat on that's it yeah exactly that yeah i need yeah. to get a photographer really you know like hire a photographer i think
0: that's what these these big instagrammers do they've got someone following around like making them look really good get well, a light
1: on them and makeup artist maybe and someone who's good at photoshop but well, whoever yeah <laughs> i definitely need that yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i agree that i think and it's something i find um it was again back on to last uh, podcast topic the the indoor setup has gone up like, you know, 17, 18 levels in terms of Zwift, train of roads, smart turbos, et cetera. But people, guys, you got to get out the road. Um, now the weather's picking up as well with nice sunny weather. You've got to get out on the road bike initially and kind of get used to technical skills. And for me, um, if you do have a TT bike or you've got a clip-on bars, you've got to get out and practice that on your local road. Practice doing intervals on them, what it's like to corner. Because you don't want these, are, they're very different feeling machines when you're out on them. So, you've got to tick them off. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, the first time, well, I actually, yeah,
0: the first time I rode a CC bike was somebody else's bike, but then I got clip on bars. And I mean, you, you know, even the fact that your brakes aren't on the clip on bars, you know, you've got to move your hand to brake, change gear, all of that kind of stuff, get used to being in that different position, fiddle around with your setup. Um, so you're comfortable because, you know, you're potentially on that thing for a long time. Um, and also knowing the race that you're doing, you know, is it, do you need to use one of them or are you better on a standard road bike, you know?
1: Yeah, no, agreed. And it's also back to your, your other point, Jamie, about the, remember you were saying about actually practicing kind of eating well on the bike. If people have I had this before where they had the perfect setup on the road bike, where they had the buoy box and the food fit in and it was all super. And then they didn't practice transferring the booby box or the food storage system onto their tt bike and went yeah no it just it actually slipped off in the race and well hang on did it not had you not practiced that before i said no no just on the road bike so even that, the food storage the eating while on the tt bike has to be ticked off and
0: no absolutely
1: and the other thing i advocate again for the, the bike again As I said, in base there's lots of volume, lots of slow zone one, zone two stuff. You're building up your aerobic base. You're getting your miles in. In The build we move to a bit more intensity, depending on your duration race, and you drop the volume. So you're not, you don't have to be kicking off whatever 100 mile rides if you're Ironman every single week. You might do shorter rides, but a chunk of that back, like the marathon train, we're talking about, race pace intensity, and so you get used to what it's like. Kind of hold those watts or hold that heart rate, um, or that average speed, whatever you're kind of targeting, um, and then doing the things you'll have to do on the day, remembering to drink, remembering to eat, etc. So, a lot to be pricked up in the building based on the bike.
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely, and it is. It's all like you say, it's practicing it, practicing different scenarios, getting, yeah, covering covering potential, um, slip ups. I guess you know what if things go wrong, having a bit of backup and and what have you. And if things do go wrong or you run out, of, you know, what, what, what can you, uh,
1: what can you do? And there's also, again, there's something we didn't mention beforehand and the bigger races, uh, be aid station. Yeah. So actually, there's another skill to practice as an being able to slow down reach over, grab something and put it onto the bike and then, uh, then uh, cycle off without kind of crashing, to be honest. Um, and again, that's a very different road bike where it's much easier to hold around as an TT bike when you're down arrow, and then you're coming up or you're trying to reach out and you're trying to grab a bottle. <laughs> I had a, just a flashback to Mallorca where I was, it was starting to get very hot and I was, and, my, and my water bottles were empty. And there was just these six lines of these volunteers all holding out different bottles of ESO, Coke water and it was like it was like a mirage you went oh thank god this is so well timed but i didn't slow down enough and each time i tried to grab the bottle and they're all spaced out like there's a couple of meters in between so that i should be able to do it the first one i tried to snatch banged it out of hand like, crap next one missed time i grab, bang so and each time the groan of the spanish volunteers who are awesome thank you very much <laughs> got bigger and bigger until the very end one, right. And like I was sort of going, like, screw this one up. I have no water for the next 15k. And I, I was sort of like, and there's a oh, oh, ooh, ooh. Then <laughs> <and>, hooray! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I did get it and uh it was just a funny laugh. Um run wise. Now again, we obviously we're a swim bikey runny type people. and um, for your sprint, what you do different now when you're getting ready for race, uh the, your, your olympics your sprint and, and 70.3 vichy
0: yeah so i mean I, i've been a lot i've been as i say in the treadmill doing quite a lot i quite like it you know it's sort of the um it's more manageable isn't it in the sense that you, you can kind of you know your pace you, you know you you the, the, the you know wind all this kind of stuff um so you can you can sort of track improvements better i, I get i get annoyed you know with um with the garmin um the the pace on it, you know, it it irritates me. Um, But (laughs) again, you have to get used to that outside um, and running with it um, and and knowing what you can hold and knowing, you know, and also perhaps like, you know, descending, how that feels on the legs um, and likewise going up a hill, you know, practicing that um, because it's all well and good running in a complete straight line in an indoor setting uh with no incline unless you already unless you set it um in advance and then get to an actual race so i remember once doing one in um in the oh god i can not know I can't remember where it was but really steep hills um like really really steep and it was actually like almost like a a technique in itself going up that hill as it was going down it you know um, so I think that,
1: that that'll be the main thing for me getting back outside again, yeah. And again, that's isn't it come back to the the race specificity of your training as well. And by the way, you actually have that that's a great point on the bike and the run and the swim, as in when you're doing these training sessions and you're getting closer to the race, if you know your swim is going to be ocean, don't do all your open water swimming in a, in a lake or a yeah. river. Um, if you know it's going to be a hilly bike, you've got to get some hill work in on the, if you know it's going to be a kind of an undulating run, or there's going to be a, a chunky hill in the middle, try to mimic that, um, especially in the longer run stuff. Um, you've got to get that right. And, and again, yeah, I'm a big fan of bricks in general. Most people on my plans or my squad, they know I even, I'm a fan of bricks during the base period, just even short ones, to get muscle memory going. But in the, the run run sessions now the bricks will increase a bit more there's more target numbers and pace that you have to kind of hit because it's very different come off the bike and then you sort of run great for the first two kilometers but then when you go oh no I've got to continue this for yourself and be um Jamie if you're trying to hit another 19k at that um that pace and you just haven't done a brick of up to like 7k. It's it's your legs will soon desert you if you haven't done a, a fair bit. of
0: practice. Yeah, no, it's a very, that's a very good point. It is. I think I think a lot of, a lot of a lot of people's brick sessions are kind of reasonable bike rides and then with a fifteen minute run. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, you, you're not running for fifteen minutes, are you? You're potentially running for a few hours.
1: You know. And also, as I said, and you sprinkle in the race pace stuff as well. As in, like, there's no point if you've got an aspiration to finish your half marathon uh, under whatever two hours and all rest you've got a a chunk of your bricks should be run at what's that pace feel like and then you sort of go you go okay right that's that's how my legs feel and that and even if garmin or your heart rate or whatever technology fails you go this roughly feels what it uh, what it feels like so you're baking in muscle memory and confidence from that you can do these things
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a big one. It's kind of getting confident in your physiology. Um, And of course, there can be a curveball like the weather or something like that. I mean, this is an interesting one, actually. So like for me, I remember some years ago, I was training a lot with heart rate. And um, something that affected my confidence going into races was when the weather got warmer, you know, my heart rate would go up for the same level of effort, essentially. So I would come to the conclusion that i was actually less fit um but it was the heat essentially that was raising my heart rate um and i wasn't less fit but it made me question that i might be and that that wasn't good for my my own confidence
1: yeah agreed and i also have one guy who actually <laughs> they destroyed a uh, really good marathon time because they became over-reliant on the Garmin, and there was a period of time when the Garmin heart chest rate monitors they got very they um they reacted to certain technical t-shirts so it told you your heart rate was at like 200 200 beats per minute so we stopped and he went well how did you feel and he goes like fine and i went no so yeah heart rate technology is super but again the biggest garmin computer brain piece of kit you have stuck in your in your head your own personal brain and your self-diagnostic you know
0: yeah, and I think, and I think like, that's one thing that's changed, isn't it? Like you go back in time, and even to when I did that Paris Marathon, two thousand four, that was a a time pre uh, certainly in the masses, it, it didn't exist that level of tech. Not the heart race, monitors did, but beyond that, um, and so no one had them, and it was all based on feel. And I think you do learn a lot, um, because you know the problem is you can you can go to a race, and you know. You can have technical failure. Things can go wrong. You know, you, you 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 know your your batteries might they shouldn't run out, but you know things can happen. Yes. Um, and if you if you're reliant on that for you, you're purely for your confidence, then that can blow your mind and that can be the end of it. So, yeah, listening to your
1: body as well. Yeah, and also we have to remember, like for example, I think Paris is like thirty thousand people. They'll be all trying to pull off the same satellites. You kind of have to wonder whether or not. That uh that is correct. Like I will have a, a backup of I'll have the one of those pace uh, bands written on my arm and also go, look, I should pra- pass this marker at this time, I should uh and the the time as long as the time clock is working, I can figure that out. Um yeah. so backup. Um so just on the on the run, yes, yeah, so for the again for me in build period, as I said, I do I, I very much advocate that the the midweek run stuff, you kind of sprinkle in some more speed work, tempo stuff, hill repeats, depending on the race. VO2 uh, or fart leg runs are great because you've trained your legs to go for, for hours and hours in the straight, your aerobic, your recovery run, your low stuff. You need to kind of get some of your fast twitch muscles firing, so you get some gears. And, again, then – and you also, once you get that going, you, we need to test them in bricks um, and – so that and also race pace bricks off your long bikes at the weekend. I think me for things I do differently in my lead up to race season.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I say one thing which is interesting actually, I we haven't mentioned just from a, from a nutritional point of view is kind of perhaps in the build up to race season, kind of managing any changes in weight. So, not everybody necessarily needs to lose or wants to lose weight, um, but some people will. Um, And if that is the case, then I would say you want to do that from as far out as possible Um, because, you know, as intensity goes up um, and the pressure of race day looms, the last thing you want to be doing is feeling like you've got to lose two stone, you know, because that's obviously going to affect your recovery um, and your ability to train uh, leading up to the race. So, yeah, it's much better to go for a very nice, slow, steady Uh, Weight loss—if that's something you need to do over a period of months rather than weeks—yeah,
1: no, agreed. And as I said, there's certain things in life you can cram: exams, professional exams, uh, work assignments. But we don't cram for triathlon, um, Hmm. or weight loss. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, and agreed. For myself personally, I know where I, I where the weight is for Paris. I'm off where I'd like to be, but again, not too concerned. It's a B race. I, it's also getting nailed down for like court and Florida. And the only reason that's good, the reason that will happen if I start like habits while out and then just chip it away in combination with good training, the weight will go down and I will have a bunch of for the race.
0: Yeah. And weight isn't something which is stagnant. I think for most of us, we have periods like that. It's, you know, like you say, you want to, you, you don't need to be where you want to be now. Um, so you don't need to be where you want to be. Yeah, you don't need to be where you want to be for this race because it's not your main one, isn't? For another six months or whatever.
1: Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. That's why I'm okay you being. Know, you don't want to be
0: feeling like you're out of weight because you want to get used to kind of racing and like if you're racing now, you are in six months. Then you know, it's going to be a whole different experience, different on the body, different feeling. So yeah, you, you, you want to keep it in a nice close range. Never let things get too far out of hand. I guess.
1: Agreed. Agreed. So we we will, we will never have a podcast around Christmas. Uh, every year. <laughs> yeah,
0: and if we do, we'll have
1: to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do enough self judgment. I don't need uh, additional. <laughs> yeah. Um... So I think, in terms of um, where where I'm at, I, I I'm comfortable with. As at, and you also it, it manages your expectations i know as i said it's not going to be a PB race for me i'm i'm not targeting the pb race so is it um am i not i'm I as keen mean as i should be if, if i was trying to go under three hours for a marathon no i'm not do i am i bothered no i'm not um a bit of fun as I yeah, said yeah, be, get out enjoy it get the nerves have a bit of, learn learn a little a couple of lessons for ourselves etc and when you're in Paris, obviously it's
0: slightly off topic, but we're probably wrapping up
1: anyway. But are you um, are you staying over there for a couple of days? Or yeah, my, as I said, there's 30 of us going over from the triathlon club, so we all fly out on the Thursday. We race for uh, I think it's a Sunday race, and then we all fly back on Tuesday. So oh, I'm right, all great. as you mentioned before about a bit of travel. Look, go out, give yourself some days to kind of ease into the the event atmosphere like um, a couple of things might go wrong your bags might get lost So it's not a disaster and then also look soak up the the atmosphere afterwards and normally as you know Jamie it's pretty hard to walk after a marathon so I, I plan to just find a nice cafe sit down drink some glass of wine and watch the Parisians go about their business it's funny
0: actually it takes me back because when when i did that one obviously it was my first one and i remember we were walking around me and a group of friends and well i said we were walking around but we couldn't walk around and we were <laughs> it looked like we were you know people must have wondered what the hell had happened we were all quite young and relatively fit looking but but couldn't you know you'd see a flight of stairs and be like um ah <laughs> how am i going to manage
1: this you know um but yeah it's uh Happy happy days. <laughs> yeah. Hobbling were purchase and, uh, and also another life lesson, and we we'll put it into our training uh, podcast, the, our travelling co- podcast. The, um, don't go like I did. It was Berlin Marathon. I went out and I went over a couple. Went out the absolute beard the night before. Slept in, to, uh, and I had to get to the um, get to the my flight, and it was this moment of panic where Stephen Moody, uh, please gate number thirty two because he's delaying the flight. And I was going, and I was <laughs> <laughs> running option to stage. And then, as I said, and it was literally, I had the glare of this whole right side of the airplane looking at me, disgust as I turned up like 10 minutes late. And then like, you know, the the, the little uh, stairway to get onto the plane, I was going up sideways and the air hostess gone. You should move it. And I said, you tell my legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is
0: it. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, funny.
1: Yeah, so listen, I we, I think we, we should probably wrap it up there. I do have, as I said, I don't miss my tractor, um. So I have to head off to my. But I think, in summary, for race season, um, make sure you have B races baked in there, and it, have a bit of fun, have a bit of learning, the try out your race equipment in your training sessions beforehand. Swimming, get in the open water, up the volume, try a bit of speed. Unless you're actually quite a good swimmer, and it's not something you need for. Bike, dust off the TT, get outdoors, some race-based sessions. Back to Jamie's point about tr- uh, make sure you trial what works for you um, in terms of consumption when and how you consume it. The run, more bricks, more race-based stuff, and get excited about the race season. Any other closing thoughts, Mr. Lakeley?
0: No, no, that's no, good with me. I mean, I think the main thing is know your numbers from a nutritional point of view, know how you need to increase them. Um and, uh, yeah, like, don't eat a massive bowl of pasta than I before. Yeah, be a bit more measured in your approach to race day. Yeah. Jamie, moderate in moderation, Layton. That's me, yeah, that's me. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, occasionally, things become highly immoderate, if that's even a word. But, yeah, <laughs> most of the
1: time, moderate. <laughs> Listen, Jamie, we better wrap it up. Listen, I hope your back it responds to a bit of uh, tender, loving care and, and it, it doesn't keep you off the training track too long. Um, and uh, we will be in touch again soon for the next podcast. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Have a good day, Steve. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your-, <laughs> your tractors in Guinness. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, mate. Good talking yeah. to you. And you, bye.